Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cash back match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Hello, listeners. This is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming to you from Key Largo, Florida Keys. How are you today? Wow. Uh, Thursday's not one of my normally busy days, but I had a busy day. Uh, I wasn't ready for it. Well, anything that keeps me busy is a good thing. Keeps me out of trouble. I got to stay out of trouble. Um, well, trouble for me is just doing, not doing anything really. I can get in trouble not doing anything. How about you? Maybe, maybe not. Well, at work, we are, we are approaching, like every place around is approaching quickly. It's July 1st. We are approaching July 4th and we have a tropical storm heading our way. It could turn into a hurricane, or it could weaken, or it could miss us. But it is heading. It is heading our way, and it should be getting close to the shores in this area right now. They're they're guessing Monday night, but we should probably, if it comes towards us, we'll start feeling the effects on July fourth, hmm. which it's a little early for us here. But then again, considering what's going on in the world with uh, heat in the Northwest and in Europe and different places in the world, not surprised, not surprised whatsoever that there is a sizable storm in Norway. So, toying with the ideas of whether to put up the Storm shutters. I'm thinking as we, as I'm speaking right now, I'm looking out our window of my house, and I'm thinking, what do I need to put up? I can put the side windows up, and maybe on one side of the house, and that'll save me forty percent of the work. My biggest problem, when I finally figured it out, was the. Um, ones on the front of the house. We had these old shutters and they were numbered differently and they were kind of like, I think they were, what do you call that when you take, you, they were scrounged off other places and they were put here and they were resized. They're old school 
aluminum shutters that you have to screw in. You put a washer on, you have bolts above the window and beyond the, um, below the window with a track, and you put those on. It keeps them. Uh, we don't have impact windows right here. That's a big thing right now, impact windows. But with that July 4th storm heading our way, we're just thinking whether people are going to be coming down here or not. They already It's already kind of busy. It's already kind of busy. It's looking busy. The locals are hitting the stores. But they could be hitting the stores because they're getting ready for the storm. We never, I mean, I have three days worth of food. I'm by myself here. I have enough for my dog. All I have to do is put some water in the tub, I guess, if I really need to. And we'll be set if anything catastrophic occurs. And catastrophic that has occurred here in South Florida. You know, we had the collapse of that building. I didn't mention it in Sunrise, Florida, in Miami. It's amazing that, well, that was built before Andrew when the building codes. But I guess the inspection criteria and the way they follow up and ask people to repair things they may have failed in that but i'm just speculating because we'll find out further well i we are working at the catch and you know i did a live show well not a live show i did a recording there at the catch but i posted about an hour and a half after the show was over it went well we're probably going to do it again probably do it it's, it's, it is a pain in the butt just to load the equipment and get set up but after that it's really not that difficult you know just well actually packing away come back and doing the things i have to do i realize the reason i like doing a live show is because i can put the description of what the show is going to be and just go ahead and do it but it doesn't always turn out what the way you expect it to be and for podcasts, like an interview, they people were asking who were I, the two guests. I had Jeff and Casey on the show, two of my regulars. They are asking me what what should we study up on, what should we do, and I said I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you. We're gonna just talk about the catch and the general ambiance of the place and things like that because I haven't done it in a while, and I'm not gonna do it each time. We'll do a little segment talking about part of the menu and things like that. See if you find it interesting. Maybe you won't. But uh, I like having the lo- um, the locals or visitors or my co-workers on. That being said, my I work with uh, closely with the owner and the owner's daughter, Molly, Kathy and Molly. And her friend, Molly's friend, Elizabeth, they're, the two girls are... About, I guess they're about 19 years old. Nice young ladies. Really nice young ladies. Usually, you know, you talk to a bartender and you're talking to a 19-year-old and stuff like that. There's something creep. There's a creep factor to that. But not in this case. This is more like, uh, I guess, more of an older mentor and younger ladies right there. But Molly has a habit when she's asking me something. She uses a pen and acts like she's a reporter. She'll ask a question and then she'll hand it to me. And she's been doing that for a while. 
And this time, she came up and asked me if she was going to do a stupid question. I said, oh, really? Well, you know what? With the, the pen, I'm just going to record it. I'll use my recorder to see what question you're going to ask. And I can tell people, this is the kind of stuff I go through at work. Here we go. What stupid question do you want to ask me? Is this going on the podcast? Is this going on the podcast? I don't know. You're going to get better be a little dumber than that, okay? <laughs> I'm here with Elizabeth and Molly. I was just going to remind you to tell me about to, to tell you about my dream because you were there. I'll tell you when everyone's gone. If you know what I'm saying. Is that it? It's about the bus. Yeah, about the tr- bus going to. Don't let me forget. Molly, okay. Hold on. This question is for Elizabeth. I've got some bartending questions. Okay. What garnish do you put in a Manhattan? Uh, next question. A cherry. What's in a gin and tonic? Gin and tonic? Yeah, okay, good. What stupid question? Okay. Well, yeah, that's the kind of questions I get. You know, I, I, I do enjoy the energy of working with young people, but I did, they're working the floor and I get these questions and some of the questions are kind of, uh, I guess they didn't get, we didn't get the question from them this time, but the, the, the microphone thing, just, I said, if you're going to have a question, ask the question. And that's what I did with the garnish for Manhattan or, what goes into a gin and tonic? Because I get people going to do in reverse ways telling me of a screwdriver, I'll have a bay breeze, of a sea breeze, and things like that. Or they'll tell me all the ingredients in it. I was trying to tell young ladies earlier today, earlier yesterday, that most of the drinks you get around are going to be, t- they're going to tell you exactly what they want because everyone has different tastes and they want it just just so, right? They want their drinks just so. And I tell them if they don't ask you or tell you anything additional about a drink, just go ahead and order it. Because I used to ask them when they asked for a Manhattan or Old Fashioned. And if they didn't say what kind, I said, I'm going to make a classic bourbon Old Fashioned. Or Manhattan, I'll make it with Canadian whiskey. Right? And they'll both be on the rocks. But, you know, in all fashions, normally on the rocks. A Manhattan could be either way. So these, it's nice working with them. It's hard, you know, when you're, I mean, there's there's a couple guys that work there, but they're mainly in the kitchen. And then I got my bussers. They're guys, too. Most of them, most of them are guys. And we got a couple young women that work there as bussers. But predominantly the people on the floor, except for me, it's female. All female. And I don't feel like there's reverse reverse misogyny going on. It's it's nice not having to compare myself to another guy I work with in the front of the house, so I just do my thing. But when you're working with younger people, you just, you know, yeah, you have your torn between, you know, camaraderie of a co-worker, uh, 
being older and wiser and trying to help them out, or being friendly and trying to be cur- current with them. Au courant, let's say. You know, to have not to be treated like an old person. So this morning, I have my spin class at the local place. And it's the only spin class I do during the week. It's going to be on, it's on Thursday at 8 a.m. right now. I may get another class another day, but I like that time. But the only problem right now is a lot of people aren't around for spin class. Especially the holiday week. The locals who are, you know, you don't get a lot of tourists that come into town looking for spin class. They're out doing all the water sports and stuff like that. You're not going to, you shouldn't be going to a place and worrying about working out someplace when you're on vacation. Unless it's a long vacation. So today, uh, there's an app I check. And because I work for a hospital, they do this thing where people have to reserve a place to uh, get into the class. And there's today, I, today when I went in, I had one. I had one student signed up. And I was about to call that one student when I was pleasantly surprised that my coworkers started showing up. The owner, Kathy, and her daughter, Molly, and Elizabeth. And instead of having just one person, I had four people. Prior to the pandemic, on a good day, we could have up to 23 people in the class because that's the amount of bikes we have. But now, because of the pandemic, because it's a hospital, and they worry about safety and things like that, they only have 10 people per class, and you have to reserve a spot when you go in. So it was nice. It was, it was a smaller class, and whenever I get, there were all three of them, all three of my coworkers, and I count the owner as my coworker because she's she is very helpful and she does a lot of work around there. Uh, convinced me not to want to become a restaurant owner because of how hard she works. Blood, sweat, and tears. You always hear that before. Blood, sweat, and tears. That's what it is to own a restaurant. We'll talk about that a little more later. So they show up at the class, and I set them up. It was a nice surprise. I had my one of my favorite. Students there, Alice, a woman deceptively, even though she's a little older, she doesn't look older because she's very healthy and very exuberant and very friendly. So I had three new people. I got a chance to set them up. Alice knew what she was doing. And I have this philosophy when it comes to spin class. I don't go and try to, you know, when someone comes to their first spin class, I try to tell them, and it's nice when there's three out of four of them are brand new. I say, you got to go at your own pace. You got to take it easy. You got to do it easy enough that you'll want to come back again. Because you could go in there and start pedaling hard and messing with the resistance. I try to show them positions of where their bike should be and how their the seat position, handlebar position, where your hands are when you're doing, how to pedal, keeping your heel down talking about your pacing and all those things that when people go in I say listen this is really easy 
It's as easy as riding a bike, yes. But there's things you do in the class that come with experience. And your muscle memory comes into play for that. You could try to stay up. I always, when I first started showing up in the spin class, I had a very difficult time uh, standing on the bike, on the pedals and pedaling when I'm standing on the bikes and holding my position there. But after the years I've been doing it, I find it very easy. I'm able to sprint and then talk to people. I had a little, I have a little more difficulty because we have to use the mask in the classroom. We're using it. We're covered with masks when we're using it. Yes. During a cardio exercise, we're wearing mask. <laughs> but I think that's just making me, I guess, more efficient user of my pulmonary system. So when they came in, I'm saying I'm looking at them. I say, listen, my big thing is for you wanting wanting to come back, getting the experience of it. So you're going to get a taste of it today. Pedal, you know. For some of you, you may just feel like you're going to pedal, pedal, pedal. You know, a little. You're not going to mess with the resistance, but there's a resistance knob. That's the brake. This is the position of your hands. This is where you go out. This is where you you want your your butt to be over the saddle and over the handlebar and I'm going over through all these things and they seem to handle it really well and then we ended up all going out to breakfast that was really nice so now I have some more converts to the spin class and it looks like the young ladies and Kathy will probably be coming back now because we're a small community in here I'm moving on from there the there's only a certain number of restaurants in here and there, there is a shopping center in, I'd have to say, the heart of Key Largo. <coughs> right around mile marker 101 and a half. And you know that thing about mile markers. <coughs> That's how we keep track of distance in the Keys. you got the overseas highway that goes through all the Keys, all the way from the mainland, over 43 bridges, down the Key West. And those mile markers tell you the progress. And it's great. You know, <clears throat> it's not like a highway where you have to wait every couple minutes. And nowadays, I guess, with Google and, and GPS and all that stuff, uh, you know, mapping software, you know exactly how far you're away. But now, but with these, when you're giving directions to someone and they don't know, know how to operate the, the the mile markers are a godsend. So, what the hell was they saying about the mile markers here? Going to see? There's a bitch about getting older. So, yeah, right around mile marker 101.6 is Trade Winds Plaza. And that's a shopping center. It's a shopping center in the heart of Key Largo. It had a Kmart and a big supermarket, a couple, you know, like a jewelry store, a couple clothing stores, a state uh, department of motor vehicles. It used to have a Radio Shack, has uh, AT&T store there. And up until recently, it had three restaurants. And right 
one of the anchor restaurants, the biggest. It used to, originally when I moved down here, it was a Payless shoe store, I think, something like that. And then a chain restaurant took over, a small chain. And they're gone already. Boardwalk Pizza. And they lasted, Christ, six months maybe, a year. But I'll tell you, this corner property on this merchant real estate here, where a retail space, is cursed. Because there's been four or five restaurants in the last, hmm, I'm going to have to say four years in the same place. Now, it was always a pizza shop because they had the big ass pizza ovens. And what they did is just brought, they brought this small chain restaurant. They were trying to get into a chain. They were trying to, you know, when you make it, when you make it into a chain, it's called, hmm. I am drinking coffee. I had plenty of sleep last night and I can't remember. But what happened is they had like three other restaurants. They had one on the mainland, one down here, and maybe another two. Well, another one up in the mainland and the original one down in Tavernier. And then they started closing up and the chain's no more. You know, when you start at one restaurant, you go to two, three, four, and then... If you don't follow through there, the chain dies. <clears throat> and that's what happened. So pizza restaurant. You think a pizza a pizza shop, a pizza restaurant with a liquor store, a liquor license would do great in a tourist town, right? What is already two here besides the chain? And they're privately two privately owned ones, Tower Pizza and Upper Crust. But this place had the liquor license and a pool table, a nice bar too. But they couldn't make do. They couldn't get it there. Part of it is parking. Because when a supermarket's busy, there's virtually no parking on that side. Now, with Kmart closing, Publix is thinking, and I think their proposal is to move into the Kmart down at the other end to make a bigger a bigger supermarket. So that'll open things up depending on what they do with the the store that they're vacating, which is next to it, which will give more parking spaces to the, uh, well, have it available. But this it's going to quickly become, once again, there's always been since, you know, retail, you heard me say this before, uh, brick-and-mortar retail, it is not a growth area anymore. Maybe dollar stores and things like that makes a lot of sense with dollar stores. Or expertise like Genius Bar, you know, the Apple Store. I Radio Shack should have been. Radio Shack should have been a shoe-in, but they, they didn't. But Best Buy still around because people need to see things. And touch things. They have to be told things. So, we go into this restaurant that used to be there. And they had these beautiful tables and chairs. And the owner, Kathy, decides she's going to buy them. 
And I just look at this place and I say, how did they not succeed? They had a nice bar. It was maybe 25 feet, a long rectangle, 25 feet long, with one end open for you know, ingress and egress, and the other end for seating. And you had the two sides. And they, so it looked like they could handle maybe easy, maybe 25 people. 30 people around that bar and then you had these high tops all around it and you had some low tops on the other side of it and a pool table it looks like they couldn't miss it was a great place you know it had to be the cost of the rental and the retail space shopping center real estate is so goddamn high in the keys but the cyclical nature of business prevents people from being able to afford the down periods. And, you know, being a restaurant in the last, Christ, year and a half, that's no time to open a new restaurant unless you have a very robust delivery system like the pit, you know, the pizza sh- uh, shops that we had. That made, that was great. If you think about it. They were made for delivery, but these other places weren't. They weren't. And forget about Uber Eats and all that stuff. They're just, we we went over that before on other shows. And you know how I feel about that because they are siphoning off potential uh, revenue from restaurants. They're not siphoning off like a thief. But it is a bad business model for restaurants to get involved with these third-party apps. But that doesn't solve the thing. So I was looking at this restaurant. They have beautiful equipment. They have beautiful pizza ovens. It's got these big pizza ovens. They have to have everything out supposedly by tonight. I think it's probably from the um, whoever is managing the property. For the shopping center says, you know, you got to get everything out. We're done with this so we can sell the space. So they're motivated to get rid of this equipment. And we're going and buying it. And we say, oh, it's so sad. And the lady starts telling a story about how she had these multiple uh, different incarnations of different pizza restaurants. And people just... Couldn't you know? They try to bring people in to manage it and do it, and they just couldn't do it. You know why? Because it's very tough to find a startup business down here, such as a restaurant. Find professionals that are willing to work it, unless you have deep pockets. A restaurant just sucks money from you. I worked at a place in uh, Amarada and. Uh, called Bumbies. And that was a nickname that Ernest Hemingway, Hemingway had. It was a beautiful restaurant. It was a beautiful restaurant. A wealthy person owned it. They sunk a decent amount of money into it. But it just bled cash. And you could leave it open and do whatever you want. Didn't have adequate parking. At most, there was parking there for maybe 18 cars 
and they had facilities upstairs and downstairs, they could literally have 150, 200 people there. And they had did not have anywhere in the neighborhood of adequate parking. But they still stayed hung on for a couple years. Two years, I think it was. Restaurants, and, and that was before COVID. But it's so sad to see these places close. Like the old place, the Encore. I worked at places that closed. I worked at Bumby's. I worked at Encore. But a lot of people, if you're in a rest, restaurant business, if you're going to work in mom and pop places, you're going to realize, you're going to see places come and you're going to see places go. Now, the place I'm at now, the catch, I'm very surprised how hard they work at it. Kathy is putting everything into it. And she bought a whole bunch of new tables and chairs. They had a lot of chairs and had a couple of small uh, freezers for glasses. And we're looking how to move everything around. Now, Kathy knows how to run a restaurant. She knows how to run a restaurant. But a pizza place, that is different than a restaurant. Say, Jim, well, because pizzas, you got to just keep on cranking out the pizzas. Once you have a pizza oven, a big industrial pizza oven, the big ones where you can stick like eight pies in at a time or ten pies in at a time, you got to be cranking that stuff out in order to be making money. I mean, it's a lot. And the cost of propane and all that stuff, you want to have that those ovens filled. And then when you have a huge-ass uh, rent or lease over, hanging over your head, that's, that's just... I can't imagine what they paid. I couldn't imagine. But when real estate prices are high, that means real estate uh, retail licenses get high. And restaurant prices, uh, you know, rent, leasing rent. And you pay, it's just incredible down here. And that they're staying open for people that don't own the properties is amazing. It's amazing. So I salute the people that are staying open here. And we we bought a bunch of chairs, bunch of tables, and we started bringing them in. It's just one of these things when people start changing things and moving things around. It just uh, if, as long as you don't do a total changeover, it looks you look like you have vitality. Say, hey, here we go. Just like someone that goes to the gym. They're trying to improve themselves. Whenever you put a new coat of paint, when you replace something, a lot of places don't do that. They don't do anything to change. And it may work for them. I mean, you got to keep things clean. You got to keep things up to date. But... If you're popular already, it kind of makes sense not to not to change. If you focus on, and there's a couple fine dining places down here that just focus on just having a couple people in there. They just charge out the wazoo for their meals. Well, we're at 30 minutes. I am, my ass is dragging now. I do not know why. I do appreciate you for listening. It is... I mean, I, it's it's like someone gave me a sleeping pill. 
I want to thank you for listening. If you do like the show, please share your show with your friends and family. We're on Instagram. No, we're not. Why am I? Am I on Instagram? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Keys Bartender. Keys Bartender. I notice people say, well, I didn't know your email address. Well, it's jim at keysbartender.com. My email address is jim at keysbartender.com. And if you are a listener, please send me an email with any questions. If you're in Taiwan, I know there's there's a lot of people listening from Taiwan. Um, I do appreciate that. Three separate towns in different provinces. Why don't you why don't you send me an email message just to say hi? And that would be Jim at keysbartender.com. I, I would appreciate it. Not that I I mean I like getting emails from people that are even down the street if you live in Key Largo or anything like that. But it was only recently that people started sending me emails and start coming and visit me at the restaurant. So I figure I'll just keep on hitting that again, you know. And uh, if you have any questions, I'll be happy to um, do that. If you have any uh, bits you want me to record, you want to hear anything, hear from any of the regulars, I'm happy to do that. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to sign off right now before I fall asleep. I don't know why that's going on right now. Bye.